As you take your Bibles, go ahead and open it up to the New Testament, Acts chapter 4 and 5, both chapters this morning. We're going to hit it pretty quick, so if you'll open your Bibles up uh, and leave them open, we will unpack those as we begin a new series this morning called Dialing Up Destiny, Dialing Up Destiny. This is um, the series that will follow up. We talked about bringing on tomorrow. Last week, we laid out some bold ideas for you about where God's taking us in the days ahead. We unleashed for you for the very first time some images of a building we're getting ready to build. And you saw those for the first time. We'll talk about those again a little bit later on in the summer. Uh, And we kind of unpacked some of that last week. But today we move forward and the title of the Bible study, if you have your app open or you have our worship flyer, is simply this, fasten your seatbelt, there might be some turbulence. Fasten your seatbelt, there might be some turbulence. And we're going to be looking at that. Now, that is a quote from the brand new Indiana Jones film. It's not out yet, but you'll get to see it. So we've kind of taken the the worship center and kind of put our own temple in here. I want you to get in touch with your own Indiana Jones. For me, I love the Indiana Jones films. I I remember when I saw Raiders of Lost Ark for the first time. And I walked out and I said, you know, that may be the best film I've ever seen. I've never seen anything like that. Absolutely amazing. Uh, Stunning, if you will. But believe it or not, there's another reason that those films are so amazing. Because for a lot of people, Indiana Jones is the first person that got them curious about things that they find in the Bible. Now, I grew up a church rat. I mean, I grew up in church, and I knew what the Ark of the Covenant was. But I never really wanted to know about it until I saw it in the Indiana Jones film. Once I saw the Raiders, I'm like, I want to know more about that. That's awesome. And if you saw um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, they weren't looking for the Holy Grail. Remember that? Put a picture of that. It's Indiana Jones, he's got the Holy Grail, that's the cup of Christ that they used at the Last Supper, um, and you know, and it's all about making a good choice, right? You know, uh, you know you've chosen wisely, and yeah, but uh, I got something I want to show you. I have that. I'm a big movie fan. There was this ancient antiqu- antiquities dealer in Israel. They put this on sale on eBay and said it was a real deal. <laughs> this is that. It is the problem. Put the picture back up. You say, you know, this is really it. See, look. So say, that's one that he's holding. This is the real one. This is the one they actually used at the Last Supper. It's guaranteed. Um, and the reason I know that is because inside this autograph, it says, um, I was there. Best wishes, Simon Peter. And it's signed inside. And so this is the real deal. It makes you kind of you're crazy wanting to know some of the biblical stuff uh, that you need to know. Now, for us, we're going to be thinking about ways to get your inner Indiana Jones loosened up a little bit and teach you a little bit about the adventure of faith, what it takes to live that life we've been talking about, how to step outside your comfort zone just a little bit and tap in uh, to what it is that God has called you to be. If you're going to be with us next week, I'm going to give you a preview. I didn't tell the 9 o'clock crowd this because I didn't want to scare them. But next week, if you remember that classic scene in Indiana Jones where he outruns that giant boulder? For any of you that want to try that, we're going to let you do that next Sunday morning. (laughs) Right here, we'll give you the opportunity to do that. Outrun it. You put your Indiana Jones hat on. Great, Great photo op. You can get a picture of that. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what age you are. We will give you an opportunity to do that next week. Uh, and you can post that to social media. You will take pictures of you. Uh, it'll be great fun. Um, it will be the hallway of doom out there. And you can run down the hallway 
uh, and we'll let you give a chance to do that. But that being said, this morning, we're going to look at two different chapters and look at a story that will talk about us learning to be bold. If we're going to dial up our destiny, if we're going to be that person that God wants us to be, we've got to decide in a world that doesn't really like to hear about Jesus, that doesn't really want anything to do with Jesus, how do we do that? How's that going to happen? Now, uh, you know that uh, Indiana Jones is actually played by Harrison Ford, actor. Um, what you may not know is that he got his job for Indiana Jones ultimately because he was playing Han Solo in another little film called Star Wars. But you may not know that he got his job for Star Wars because he was the carpenter that was installing a door for George Lucas in his studio casting office. See, they've been interviewing people and they've been, been, been testing people for the role of Han Solo and they just couldn't find anybody. And Harrison Ford was there that day installing the door and finally talked George Lucas into giving him a test. As a result, he was hired to be Han Solo. Ultimately, he became Indiana Jones. And here he is now at age 80-something and he's still putting on the fedora and cracking a whip. It's not bad. What would have happened, do you think, to Indiana Jones if Harrison Ford would have said, you know what, I'm an actor, not a carpenter. I'm going to wait for my big role, my big break, but I'm sure not going to go out and install a door on the casting studio for George Lucas. What would have happened had he not shown up that day? See, when I read the scripture, I realize that the hand that threw the stars into space also was a hand that washed some dirty, sneaky feet. And I think there's some moments in scripture and moments in life where we've got to come to grips with the fact that while we're waiting for the big role or the big thing that we think God wants us to do, there's a lot of work that needs to be done between here and there. And we can't be afraid to roll up our sleeves and do that work. It's not always easy. Harrison Ford would say later, I was trying to feed my family. I'd do anything to feed my kids and make sure my bills were paid. He goes, so I'd install doors. I was a carpenter. That's what he did to make a living before he became an archaeologist. <laughs> and before he flew around space and saved the galaxy. Anyway, I want to begin with a question today. I want you to participate in this. Don't look at your neighbor. This isn't about them. This is about you. How many of you in this room this morning, honestly, honestly, don't lie to me, you're in church, honestly believe in the power of prayer? Show your hands. Just let me see your hands. All right. You look around the room, that's a pretty hefty group. Um, I, too, believe in the power of prayer. Uh, old story. You remember the story about the guy who went to the church and, and the pastor was up there and he asked people uh, if he could pray for them. He wanted to pray for them, what they, what they needed to pray for. And one man uh, said he needed prayer for his hearing. Pastor called him to the front, <coughs> spit in his hands, rubbed him together, put his hands on either side of the guy's head, prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, and he put his hand away and said, Now, how's your hearing? He said, I don't know. It's not till next Tuesday. <laughs> You're going to tell that again at lunch. And, um, and when you do, don't forget where you heard it. I, I too believe in power prayer. Now, uh, another show of hands, because all of you believe in the power of prayer. How many in the room feel like you could be better at praying? See, I, I feel that way too. I, I wonder sometimes 
for people who are followers. I wonder why, why that is. I, I have a theory or two about that. I, I, I think that sometimes we're fearful of praying because we don't feel like we do it very well. Or we feel like there's other people that do it better. You ever heard people pray in public and after they're done you just go, man, I, I can never pray like that. You know, because I mean, they, they just say it and they just say it so well. It's almost like that they went to prayer school. Or there, there's points that they award for praying. And, and, and we get prayer scared sometimes. I, I, um, again, I'm not, not picking on anybody in particular, but, but it's almost like there's a point system to prayer. And somehow you got, missed the memo. For example, have you ever heard someone praying and they say, um, uh, and God, we just ask that you come upon us, as you say in your word in Isaiah chapter 54, God, that no weapon formed against us will prosper. And they, then they throw a Bible verse in the middle of their prayer. And you hear that and you go, Phew. I didn't even know where that was in the Bible. And they knew it. I mean, they prayed it right back to God. They're a good prayer. They must get extra points for that. I mean, we think that in our head. Now, we don't say that out loud. But we think that. We go, well, I, just can't, I, can't, I can't measure up. That, that person, that person. That person prays too good. Or, or somebody that, that when they're praying, they, 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 they bind the devil. You ever been praying with somebody and they bind up the devil? They say, Say, we just bind you up right now, and we throw you, say, get out in the name of Jesus Christ, get out, get out, get out, and you just think, wow, and then someone will go, mm, yeah, and all of a sudden you're like, wow, that was awesome, I mean, Satan was bound, they got a, mm, yeah, man, that, that was a prayer now, and after you hear that, you say, I'll never pray out loud again, because I don't measure up, or you ever been praying, I mean, it happens to me, I'm a pastor sometimes, I'll be praying sometimes, and all of a sudden, somebody in the audience will go, yes, Lord, yes, <sighs> man, <laughs> That's like a milk bone to a dog when you're a preacher. Because when, when you do that, that means I'm going to pray more. Because I like it. I want to hear another one. Yes, Lord. Yeah. I mean, start agreeing with me. I mean, and it's almost like, you know, when, when you do that, you get like, those extra bonus points because your prayer was especially good. Mm, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes. Satan bound. Oh, that's real good. But what happens is that also intimidates you. And you just think to yourself, man, I. I don't get any points when I pray. I'm a pointless prayer. Uh, nothing works for me. A- and sometimes we feel like our prayer never like, gets out of the room. Uh, I've had people tell me before, I feel like I pray and it doesn't even hit the ceiling tiles. And I want you to know, take heart. God can hear through ceiling tiles. It's not the power of your prayer that matters. It's the power of the one who hears your prayer. And God hears your prayer, so give it a shot. Roll back and let it rip. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to pray. Don't be afraid to let loose. Don't be afraid to allow God to, to, to hear your prayer because God loves to hear you. He loves to hear from you. And I think because we're intimidated by prayer, we get stuck and our prayers become predictable, mundane, rote. The same thing. Sometimes they're boring. And, and I say that because they bore us. Because we feel like we're praying the same thing over and over again. I, and maybe you don't feel that way. I do. I, I get that way sometimes. You've you been praying and all of a sudden somebody says something unexpected in a prayer? I mean, there have been times that I've been praying and all of a sudden somebody says something out loud in a prayer and you just go, what did they just say? I mean, it, it stuns you. It's a prayer that's unexpected. For example, Christmas vacation. When Aunt Bethany's asked to say grace. Woman doesn't know how to say grace. So what does she do? She prays the Pledge of Allegiance. 
if you ever watch it, everybody's standing up by the end of the, end of the scene and, 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 and they don't know what to do. They say amen and they just go on with dinner because, again, she didn't know what to do. A, a film that you probably haven't seen with Will Ferrell in it, um, and, and it's called uh, The Campaign. He is praying in it and he is challenged uh, to recite the Lord's Prayer in a debate. Now, um, the, guy that play, <laughs> the guy that plays Ted Lasso is his campaign manager. And he realizes that Will Ferrell's character doesn't know the Lord's Prayer, but he's going to pray it now in a debate. And so he's going through hand motions, trying to get him to pray and kind of give him the words. And so it becomes becomes the craziest prayer as he's reciting the Lord's Prayer. But there's a line in it that's incredibly spiritual. Because at one point, he goes, And Lord, lead us not into the temptations, for we are tired of them. I I don't know about you, but I'm... I get tired of temptation, right? I mean, so I, I think, man, he had some theology there in the middle of the bad prayer. Um, uh, pretty funny. And then the, my all-time favorite is, is Talladega Nights when they say the blessing and Ricky Bobby prays. And he prays the little eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus. And, he, and, and he's praying to the little baby Jesus because he likes the little baby Jesus better than the big Jesus on the cross. And, and, and he's doing this, and, his pray, and, and, it, and it's, it's crazy, and it's funny, and it's weird. And it's odd, and you just think, oh my gosh, do people really think that? And, and sometimes they do. I was in a place one time, uh, yeah, I can tell the story. I was in a place one time, because they're, they're, they're not watching online. Uh, I was in a place one time, and we were getting ready to pray, and because I'm the pastor, sometimes when you go to a, a, someone's house for dinner, they default, because um, you know, when you're the preacher, you're the professional Christian. And so they, they think that you know how to pray better than somebody else, and so they'll ask you to pray. Uh, in this particular case, I thought that invitation was coming, and so I was pausing. The food was out. I was getting ready to pray, and all of a sudden, the host looked at me and said, oh, don't worry, preacher. We're not praying. And I looked up. He goes, see, when I, when I buy my groceries, I pray over the bags when I put them on my car. And that way, I already prayed for the food, so we've got it covered. And he started to eat. I said, a slack jaw. I mean, I didn't know whether to eat. I was probably just going to choke. I didn't know what to do, but I, you know, okay. So I just kind of plowed into it as well. I figured somehow he covered it and that was okay. I mean, I, I, I don't know. So when you're driving home today, pray as you drive past public. So I throw a blessing out on it, and, and maybe that'll get you where you need to go. Now, I will get email. I did after 9 o'clock when I was telling these stories. Somebody always emailed me and said, you know, you have offended me. Those prayers in the movies are not godly, and, 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 and you offended me because I pray the way that you were mocking. And I'm not mocking your prayer. I'm just simply saying sometimes you will intimidate other people praying. But here's what I want you to know about prayer. And, and, and I want you to hear me with all the love I can muster. Relax. God can hear your prayer, and he loves to hear from people. You may not like the way they pray. But if God is listening, that's good, right? I mean, I, I think that sometimes we just go, oh, I'm just so offended by that. I, I, get, I, I, get, I get nervous when we in the Christian community start getting offended by things because when we get offended by things, what we do is we tend to, to, to kind of close down and hide behind stained glass. We crawl under our padded pews and we wait for the world to, to kind of go by. We hunker down. We, we, we like to play you know, crouching Christian, hidden culture. And, and, the, and the problem with that is the culture has moved away from us. The culture's not looking at us anymore. The culture doesn't really think the church has anything to offer. 
And here I am telling you, and I want you to understand, as we have been talking about embracing our tomorrow and saying, God, move us into tomorrow and move us into the future, I want you to hear me very carefully. We have to be the people that step out into this world because we have something to say. We have truth in a world that believes lies. And we have truth in a world that doesn't want to hear truth. And if the world is going to change, and if we're going to shape culture, it has to be when the people of God get serious about it and quit being offended by every little thing that comes along in life. I've told you before that laughter is the most joyous sound I believe in heaven. And we take ourselves so seriously sometimes that we have forgotten how it is and what it takes to make an impact in the world around us. I believe that we are called of God to step into the world and do something absolutely amazing. But you have to hear me very carefully when I tell you this. Jesus and following Jesus has never meant for us to be safe. It's a call to adventure. The call of Christ is never meant to be safe. It's a call to adventure. And the passage we look at today reminds us of that. It reminds us of what it takes to be that person that God wants us to be. And so I want to talk to you about that a little bit. So let's start in Acts 4, verse 1 and 2. The way it's going to work, because I know some of you guys get really nervous if you have your app open and you have the outline, you think, he's got to get three points in. He's already been talking a long time. Uh, The three points come rapid fire at the end. So most of what you hear is all a ramp up to get to those main points. You might even be disappointed in the main points because the ramp up is so good. But we'll get to the three points because I know some of you, if we don't, you can't walk out the door and I don't want you to stay. So um, we'll, we'll get there, but, but let's take a look at Acts chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. It says, As the priest and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. And they were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. In the passage, Peter and John are teaching and they're talking about Jesus coming back to life, and the people are responding to it. And there's a guy that's been unable to walk for 40 years. They pray for this guy, and God miraculously heals him, and now he can walk. And so the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the temple guard, they're worried that, that, that John and Peter are going to lead this, this, this cultish-type movement as they see it, and people are responding, and it makes them nervous. Look at verse 3 through 6. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers and the elders and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there. So was Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and others of the high priest family. They've arrested Peter and John. They put him in prison, but they wait because, you know, religious people can't work at night. And they wait till next morning. They bring them out, they form a circle around them, as would, be, have, would have been the tradition or the custom, and then they pick up in verse 7. They had Peter and John brought before them, and they begin to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? And in verse 10, Peter responds, and his response is amazing. He says, let me clearly state to all of you, all the people of Israel. In other words, he's saying, make no mistake that this man was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ and Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God has raised from the dead. That's bold. That's bold. And the reason it's so bold is because he's saying, you, you killed him. I want everybody to know that. But also, what you may not catch in the, in the context of it is, 
that the Sadducees did not believe in the bodily resurrection of the dead. They didn't believe it was possible. That wasn't in their belief system. And so what Peter's doing in this moment is he is saying to them, look, I want you in front of all the people to understand something. What you have seen is amazing. The reason it happened is because of Jesus. You killed him. He came back from the dead. It's in his power that we did this. To a Sadducee, that is a declaration of war. Because Peter in that moment is saying, look, this is the truth. You need to deal with this. This truth now contradicts what you believed in our teaching. As you can imagine, they were not happy about that. And for Peter to make that statement, he wasn't trying to, to be mean. and He wasn't trying uh, to, to, to provoke as much as he was simply saying, you have to understand this. And so with a boldness, a holy boldness, he proclaims a truth that contradicts and runs against everything that they have taught. It runs against all the things that they believe. And in verse 13 it says, the members of the council were amazed. They were taken back. They were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. Amazed, blown away, stunned by what they heard. These regular, unschooled, ordinary guys were saying things that they had never heard before. And the scripture's funny because the word that's used there in the Greek for ordinary is the word idiotes. Now think about it. You take a look and they're talking about unschooled, ordinary, no special value. Idiotes can be translated as idiot. I mean, that's the literal Greek translation of what's going on here. So, in other words, they're blown away and amazed at these idiots who are saying what they're saying because they have no business saying it. But there's a problem. Verse 14. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. I mean, how do you explain away this guy? I mean, he's there. And he's walking. And the reason he's walking, according to the people that healed him, is because of Jesus. What's he going to do with that? You now have a problem. And so they, 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 they look at Peter and John. They say, we're going to be very stern with you. Do not do this anymore. If you do this again, we will beat you. We will throw you in prison. We will not feed you. We will say nasty things about you. We're going to be mean. Don't do it anymore. Do you understand? And so Peter and John then did what any of us would do, facing the potential of being physically beaten, tortured, and maybe even killed. They prayed. We have to stop the story here. Because if someone's threatening you, normally our prayer would be something like, Lord, protect me from these bad guys. That's not what happens in the story. See, that's where the story takes an abrupt jump off the railroad track, look out, there's a boulder coming. There's a moment now that the story changes rapidly because they prayed a very dangerous prayer. They didn't pray, God, I I just want a nice job with a good 401k. I just want to be happy and left alone. I want to go to my little Bible study group. I want to listen to Christian radio. I want to do my little praise dance at church. I want to be comfortable. They didn't pray anything like that. See, 
we in the church have taught you the importance of comfort. Professional church has taught you comfort. And so even in Central Florida this morning, I dare to say we have people who are looking at church and evaluating it, not out of a call of God or, man, can I learn or can I grow or uh, what can I do and how could God use me? This, I like, what, I like the trappings. I like the look. I like the vibe. I like the feel. I, I like the way the preacher dresses. I don't like the way he dresses. And we want it to be just safe. We want to be left alone. We want this to fit into the things that we have created for our life. We want this to be part of our just existence. We want, it's a God thing, but we, we don't want it to, <laughs> we certainly don't want it to infiltrate everything. That would be a little nuts, right? A little crazy. that. We want, we want God just to fit where God needs to fit. And Peter and John just blow that all up. Because, as I said, the following Jesus was never meant to be safe. We want it to be safe. But he doesn't guarantee that. And they prayed prayer is bold. It's nuts. In the best kind of way. Okay, now I got a chance to go see the opening day of the movie, the Flash movie, the new Flash film. And if you're a Batman fan like I am and you're a Michael Keaton fan, you'll love it because there's a line in that film where Michael Keaton goes, Want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. This is a let's get nuts kind of prayer. In verse 29 it says, Now Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. In other words, we know they plan to beat and kill us if we talk about Jesus. So, enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. They're going to kill us, so make us bold. They're going to hurt us, but make us bold. They're asking for something that we as followers ought to be asking for. They're asking for unshakable spiritual conviction. They're asking that they would have the courage and the faith to say what needs to be said, to speak truth, maybe if it's unrecepted. They're asking that even though it may be painful, make it bold, even if it's going to be inconvenient, make me do what I need to do. And the Bible says the religious leaders were amazed at their boldness. I don't want you to raise your hand this time. But if I were to ask you to be honest with me, how many of you, if I were to were able to ask the people around you in your orbit, would be described, this person amazes me with their boldness? How many of us could say that's the description of our life? People are amazed at my boldness for God. When they think of me, bold is what they think. And after they prayed, somebody say after the prayer. Yeah, verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, I know, I know what you're saying. I know what you're thinking in your head. You're not saying it out loud because that would be rude, but you're saying it in your head. I'm just not bold. 
I'm more of a secret service kind of follower. Undercover agent for God. I'm more of a 003 and a half. 007 is too flamboyant. 003 and a half. Low key. No, I'm more of a, more of a, more of a, yeah, yeah, just, I'm going to kind of go with the flow kind of thing. And I want you to understand something that, I, that you've got to understand about boldness. Boldness is not a character trait. It's a trait of the Holy Spirit. See, if you want to be bold, and you want boldness to be a part of your life, look at how it happens in the passage. They prayed, God, make me bold. He answered the prayer, you're bold. See, you just don't get up in the morning and go, I'm bold. You just don't get up in the morning and say, I feel bold. You don't get up and just walk around and go, I'm bold. See me? I'm bold. No, this is what the Spirit does in your life when you're willing to ask God to say, I, 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 God, I just don't want to take a back seat. I want to glorify you. I want people to see your goodness. I want them to see your grace. I want to bless them. I want to be that person. How does that look? Well, you might be in a conversation with someone and they're telling you something's wrong. And you know, all of a sudden you say, hey, can we just stop talking for a minute? I want to pray for you right now. That's kind of bold, isn't it? I mean, someone's telling you what's going on in life. You say, hey, can I pray for you right now? Can I just pray that we can do this? Bold. Not obnoxious. Just bold. Maybe um, you're in a room and something's being said that's just really inappropriate. And, and, and you know that it's just not reflective of who you want to be as a group or as a team. And you just say, hey, hey, you know what? We just need to stop this. That's, this is not us. It's inappropriate. In which all the eyes in the room <laughs> turn to you. That's bold, right? That's bold. Or maybe someone's saying something about somebody else and you know that it's not true. And, and you know that if you're going to step up, all of a sudden, you know, you're going to be taken aside here. But you say, you know what? What you're saying is not quite right. That's not true. I can't let you say that. Because I know them and I know better. That's bold. Because that might change the way they think about you. See, we want to be liked and we want to be tolerated and, and we're afraid that someone's going to get upset if we say something. I had someone telling me one time, you've disrespected me. I said, you're absolutely right. You've done nothing to earn my respect. I mean, they threw disrespected like it was like the biggest card in the world. You disrespected me. Yes, I did because you haven't earned my respect. People think if you tell them the truth, you're not being tolerant. Where in the world as followers do we get this idea that um, the truth can't and won't be offensive from time to time? See, Satan gets us to fixate on the wrong things and all of a sudden we say nothing. And we find ourselves constantly, constantly trying to catch back up with a culture that's run away. What would happen if we prayed, God... Make us bold. 
I mean, what would happen if you started every day and say, God, make me bold today. Help me be as bold as I possibly can be today. Let me have the faith to believe that you're going to show up and I'm going to be bold. I'm going to be faithful in the moments that you place me. And I'm just going to do what needs to be done. I'm going to say it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to show it. I'm going to do the work. What would that do? How would that impact the world around you? What would that look like? Well, Peter and John, they get tossed into jail again because, well, they just did. And so we move into Acts chapter 5, and I told you I was going to give you three things that will happen if you choose to be bold. And so let me give them to you. Um, the first one's not fun, but it's usually true. First, boldness almost always triggers enemies. Boldness almost always triggers enemies. Boldness will trigger spiritual opposition. When you're bold for the things of God, people who don't like the things of God, they will be bold against you. What, if you're one of our online listeners and viewers and you, you follow us online, you know at 7 o'clock every night we put out a different um, uh, program that comes out. It's a short uh, video podcast kind of thing. And, and we have one that's going to start this week. Uh, Mark kind of confirmed this for me early on. That, that I'm excited about. It's a new series, and it will come out. There's, there's going to be a long number of episodes, but we're going to release one a week or so, or however we get them recorded. But it's on spiritual warfare. It is called We Are at War. And it is a um, low-key, simple look and perspective at what spiritual warfare is and why it matters and what it looks like in the world that we're in. Uh, because if you don't know, we are at war. Now you can say, I'm not at war with anybody. Well, you just don't know it. Because we live in a world where there's a battle that's going on. And it's a battle, it's a spiritual battle. It's things of God versus the ungodly kind of things that happen all around us. Boldness always will trigger spiritual opposition. Peter and John continue to preach. You know that they're going to do that. Um, Acts 5, verse 17, 18. Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and they put them in the public jail. This is the second time in a week. They're back in jail again. You know, serving Jesus is not a formula for everything going perfectly in your life. Uh, I've often said following Jesus complicates your life in the right kind of way because your life is complicated. Everybody's got complicated lives. So the real question is, do you want to choose to complicate it the right way or the wrong way? Following Jesus will complicate your life in the right way. And when you're obedient, you're going to find that sometimes that will make people upset. And here's what I want you to know. So what? What you worried about? In the end, God wins. You know that. You're trying to be obedient, trying to be faithful. Uh, we live our lives trying to please a party of one, God. He's the one and only, not one of many, and so he's the one that we need to focus on. So don't worry about it. Second thing, boldness also often ignites miraculous results. In other words, when you have a bold faith, you learn to see the hand of God miraculously moving around you. You, you see things that other people don't see. God starts showing up and doing amazing things. Um, God's always doing something, but you just see it. You're tuned into it more. Look, at, if you will, at verse 19. Um, Luke is writing this, and it's kind of funny again to me. It says, but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts and tell the people about this new life. 
There's no exclamation point there. There's nothing to set that verse apart. It's like it's common that would happen all the time. See, if I'm writing it, I'm like, and then the most amazing thing happened. An angel showed up, and the place was shaken. Angel showed up, 10 feet tall, flaming eyes, a sword longer than a hundred accord, awesome, brutal, big, and he opened the jail doors, and they marched out. See, I'm writing that, and Luke just, angel shows up, they go outside, gives them instructions. Here's the deal. If I'm ever teaching, and an angel shows up behind me, pull out your cell phone and take a picture. I want that. That's going on the sign outside. I mean, I want that picture. I'm going to put an exclamation point. I'm going to put it on my resume. I mean, I'm going to put that in my, in my PR packet. I'm going to put that where people can see it because you know, that is a huge deal. But for these guys, hey, they had prayed to be bold. What happens next? An angel shows up and gets them out of jail. That's, that's a miracle. Luke, eh, he records it like, not a big deal. They're faithful. God shows up. You ever wonder sometimes in your life God doesn't seem to be doing all that you want God to do because, you know, you're just not looking anymore. Just not being obedient. It's just not, it's just, it's just, it's just kind of, as we said earlier, your prayer life, you know, you're just kind of bored with it all, right? That's faith. Oh, I've been doing it a long time. Well, you know, when you get up every morning, your day is a gift from God. His mercies are new. You have something to get up and you have something to get moving for. And when you start moving and moving in that direction, God does show up and do amazing things. And you start seeing them when you're bold. The third thing I want you to see is this. Boldness always requires and takes faith. The angel opens up the doors and says, go to the temple and give the people the message of life. So at daybreak, the apostles entered the temple as they were told and immediately began teaching. And I would put a parenthesis here and say, say what? Because you understand what the angel said, right? Go back and do again what's gotten you tossed into jail twice already. You keep doing what you're doing. It's the right thing, even though you keep getting tossed in jail. Oh, they're threatening to beat you. They're going to hurt you. They're going to kill you, maybe one day. But for right now, you just go do what you were doing. It was the right thing. They prayed to be bold. Angel said, get back in here and do it again, son. And off they go. See, you may not see it in a moment. You may not understand the impact an act of obedience has in changing the world. But your job is to be obedient. And when you're obedient in the here and now, God blesses that. And so Peter and John in this passage are mega bold. And we know what happens. They serve God faithfully. You know how God rewarded them, right? Peter ended up marrying his high school sweetheart. John met someone online. They fell in love. They had their wedding at the Jerusalem Chapel. Beautiful photos. You should see them. Peter, he was a little bit quicker. He just went through the drive through wedding synagogue. They got amazing Instagram photos of that. Peter took his bride to Jamaica. John took his to the Bahamas. They had the best honeymoon. They came back. They became best friends. Riding the wave of the resurrection and miraculous healings, they started a consulting firm together. It went wild beyond their expectations. Uh, they made so much money, they lived a comfortable life in their early 50s. They sold their business. They retired in the mountains. They happily raised their grandkids and lived happily ever after. That's how they ended their life, because they were bold. Nah, not so much. See, that's the script that we write. 
That's our model of success. Let me tell you how God answered their boldness. We don't put this in the brochures, but it's real. John, according to contemporary historians, was arrested again and again. And he was dipped in boiling oil. And the intent was it would kill him, but it did not. It just burned him, but he didn't die. Because John was tougher than old shoe leather. And so, disfigurement and scars, no doubt about it. But because they couldn't kill him, what they did instead was they isolated him on an island called Patmos. And there he spent the rest of his days. And it was there that he got the revelation from God that we know today as revelation. Not reclining on a beach, not basking away in the sun. But looking at the scars that came from the boils, boiling oil that should have killed him, but didn't. Peter, on the other hand, ah, he too was arrested. And he was sentenced to be crucified. But according to history, Peter didn't want to be crucified like Jesus because he wasn't even worthy to die like Jesus. And so he said, can you crucify me upside down? And they said, sure. And so they hung him on a cross upside down. And that's how he died. See, it's the John the Baptist plan, right? You're faithful, you do what you're supposed to do, you end up in prison, you die. We don't put that in brochures either. Because there's something about holy boldness that we have to understand that it's worth it in the end, but there's a moment where the adventure really is found in getting outside of your comfort zone and stepping away from the cultural norms to simply say, God, I want to be everything you want me to be and more. What would happen if we as people would pray, God, make us bold? What would that look like? What would happen if a church people would decide that they wanted to be bold and they were going to be obedient and no matter what else, they were going to be faithful and they were going to speak truth and they were going to bless in a world that, that, that maybe doesn't even value that. What would that look like? I'm going to ask you to do something for me in just a minute. I'm going to ask you to uh, close your eyes and uh, bow your heads and I'm going to ask you to, 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 to let me pray for you. Um, and I'm going to ask you to seriously ponder would you dare to pray, God, make me bold? Now, see, I, I, I'm not saying that your prayer life stinks, and I'm not saying your prayer life is bad or anything like that. What I'm saying to you is I bet, I bet that for a lot of us, somewhere in our prayer list, as we pray for other people, as we praise God, as we thank him, as we bless others, but somewhere on our prayer list, we don't have the words, God, make me bold. Bet we don't have it. I bet that's something that most of us are not praying every day. And I'm going to challenge you to pray for the next seven days. God, make me bold. And see what happens between now and next Sunday when you come back. And see the opportunities that he gives you. And write them down. And keep track of those so you can know and see how God's using that prayer. And so bow your head and close your eyes. and uh, Don't look around the room. But if you want me to pray for you right now, and ask that God would help you be bold this week. Just raise your hand real quick and put it back down so I can see it. Up and then back down. That's good. Good. And I want to pray. And, and you just listen as I pray. God, I thank you for...
the hands um, that have just gone up in this room. For the ones this morning, earlier at nine, the ones once again who've raised their hands now. Lord, I pray over the next few days, for the remainder of our life, that we would have a spirit of boldness. That your spirit would come upon us and not make us weird or annoying, but instead just make us bold in appropriate ways, in loving ways, full of grace, blessing others, standing up for the name of Jesus with a holy boldness and confidence, knowing that we've been called to be obedient. And God, I, I, I want to thank you in advance that over the next seven days for what we're going to see time and time again when you prompt us. Make us bold. Make us bold. Amen. A lot of you raised your hands. So buckle your seatbelt. It might get bumpy. Could be a little turbulence, but it might be the most exciting week you've ever had. I also know that for some of you too, as you want to follow up today, if you want to on the way out this morning, there's a sign-up sheet. Not that one. Looks a lot like this. Matter of fact, it looks just like this, except there's names on it. And each week of this series, we're going to send to you, and I printed one out, a four-page newsletter that will remind you of what we talked about on Sunday, but it also does something I think you'd have a lot of fun with. It talks about the importance of biblical archaeology, what you can find, how you dig through Bible verses, what you can discover, the adventure of faith, how to push the envelope just a little bit. And so through the series, we're going to do this. We'll send it to you once a week if you want to Sign up for that and, um, and make sure you do that before you leave this morning. But I also, as you leave, I, I, I just want you to know God does, as we've been talking about, he starts with the impossible. And once you start looking at it, you begin seeing that God's got a hand in it, then the impossible becomes improbable. Oh, it's big. But God wants to do something with your life. And once you understand that it's improbable, but God can do it, then it becomes inevitable, and you just have to be obedient to let it happen. And that's where we are in our journey. And so we are called to do a number of things. And I told you last week, it's going to be a big summer here. Most people ratchet down in the summer. We don't. And we're going to do some things and share some things with you in the days ahead about where God is taking us that I really do believe you'll be excited about, but more important than that, I really do believe with all of my heart that it's where God is leading us. And God has the best days ever in front of us. Pray one more time and then we're going to sing. Lord, I am um, mindful of the fact that while we talk about holy boldness for some, the, the first step that they need to take in being bold is to accept the gift of eternal life that you offer to us. There's some in this room. There's some who are watching online who have never made the decision to believe and trust and follow Jesus. It's a choice. And so before they can really discover a life that is such a big adventure and, and a life that's so much bigger than they can imagine, it really does begin with that moment of accepting that gift that you've offered to us. And so, Lord, if they're in this room this morning, before they leave, I pray that they would take a worship flyer and just say, I, I want to accept Jesus as Savior. Drop it in the giving kiosk on the way out the door. Make sure we have a way to contact them so we can talk about that decision. Give them some stuff that's going to help them in the journey. 
Same thing is true for our online viewers, wherever they are right now. If they would just stop the stream and email us and just simply say, I want to know Jesus. That too would give us a chance to share with some things with them and wherever they are in the world, we'll do our best to help pair them up and help them find a church place that they can connect and grow. Because Lord, that's where the adventure begins. But that is only the beginning. And there's so much to discover, so much to learn, so much to be, so many things to do. Teach us those things, not just this day, but every day. In Jesus' name, amen.